today, though. Uh, Direction Church family, always good to see you in church. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Well, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open those back up to Psalm chapter 100. Like I said uh, in the introduction, we're going to be talking about worship and praise. The title of this two-parter is called The Heart of Worship, but if you notice, there's an emphasis on the art of it. And uh, we're not talking about art as in just a piece of uh, of something pretty that hangs in a museum, but there actually is a way of doing that that's well done. And if you do it right, it will bless the Lord. Amen? And so that's what we're going to talk about over the next couple of weeks. Um, I uh, believe <clears throat> for the most part, and I'm not saying that about everybody in here, but I am going to say that for the most part, the body of Christ has kind of made coming to church like being in one room of your house and yelling to somebody else in the other part of the house and saying, hey, can you come in here for a minute? Anybody ever been? <laughs> I know when I was a kid, um, that used to be my big thing, and now I'm seeing my son Preston do the same thing to us. Um, I used to be in one side of the house, and I'd be like, Mom, can you come here? Instead of getting up, and, and now Preston does it to us. Like we'll, He'll be sitting on the couch with his iPad or something and playing a video game or whatever, and if he gets a part that he can't figure out, he doesn't get up and walk over to me and say, hey, can you help me? That way, he's like, Dad, can you come over here for a minute? And I'm thinking, what's wrong? And I go over there, and he's like, I can't get past this level. Can you help me? And we've almost made our walk with God like that. Hey, God, can you just come here for a second and help me? We've almost made coming to church... Like coming to church is what moves God. Hey God, I'm here. You better do something about my situation. But that's not what we really come together for. We come together to worship God, and that's not what praise and worship is all about. Not just getting in His presence so He can do something for you. Not just uh, to help you on something you get, can't get past. Worship and praise is all about Him. In all the verses we read there, we pointed out to you the phrase, they sang praises to the Lord, or they ministered to the Lord. Um, and when those things happen, when you minister to the Lord, that's when the Holy Spirit will say something. That's when the Holy Spirit will do something. And uh, that's what we're going to be talking about uh, here. I uh, had the privilege of working on staff at Kenneth Hagin Ministries for 11 years, and uh, one of my best friends while I was working there was the junior high youth pastor. I was the high school youth pastor. He was the junior high pastor. And uh, Keith is uh, a real good friend of mine, uh, one of my best friends. And, and uh, his little girl, Savannah, she's not little anymore. She's driving now. And it really bums me out and makes me feel old because she was like three when we started working there. And, um, and, but I remember when um, he told me this story, and I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to use that. Uh, when she was like two... Um, they were trying to get her to sleep in her own bed. Any other parents know what that's like? Just a big old nightmare, isn't it? <laughs> you just want to almost get out the duct tape and tape them down to the bed so that you don't get that little jolt in the middle of the night when you wake up and there's two little eyes looking at you eye level. Can I sleep with you? Um, and so they were trying to, to get her to, to sleep in her own bed. And so they would start her in her own bed and, and she would sneak into their room in the middle of the night. And Keith, being a big softy like me, he would just... Come on, it's okay. And his wife, his wife's name's Jody as well. And um, uh, she would be like, Keith, now you're not helping the situation at all. 
by letting her just come get in bed with us. So they, um, they decided they were going to take drastic measures. So they, they put her in her room, and they closed her door, and then they closed their door. Well, that didn't stop anything. She just got right out of bed, opened the door, and came on in. So they took it a step further, and they locked their bedroom door. Now, when we told this story, we actually wrote an article and put this in the Word of Faith magazine, and we got so many people upset about that. <laughs> there were so many people like, how dare you? You're just a terrible person. Um, but, but here's the part that I really want to focus on. They got up the next morning, and they walked over to the door, and she had not just slept outside the door all night with her blanket, but she had wanted to be in the presence of her parents so badly, she had shoved her little hand under the door. And her little hand was under the... They never locked the door again. Um, in fact, I think they ended up putting a bed in their bedroom so that when they had their little boy, he could sleep in there too. They just all slept in the same room forever. But they, they wanted so, she wanted so badly to be in the presence of her dad and mom that sleeping near the door was enough with her little hand shoved through the underneath. This is the attitude we should have when it comes to worshiping God. It doesn't matter what is in front of us or keeping us back. You know, all I need is just a little bit of myself. Come on, somebody. In the presence of God. To minister to Him and to have Him minister back to me. And, and that is enough. And Savannah, we called it the Savannah story for years, really put into perspective what worship and the heart of worship should be about. And, you know, there are all kinds of things that are trying to keep us from the presence of God. There's all kinds of things, distractions and offense and our jobs and the cares of this life. But listen, it just, takes a, it just takes a little bit of you being in the presence of God for your whole life to change. You know, she slept outside in the hallway in the darkness. Come on now, for a two-year-old, you might as well be surrounded by, you know, um, Tyrannosaurus Rex if you're sleeping out in the hallway in the dark. You know, she's sleeping in the hallway by herself, but she was okay in that dark hallway because, well, this part of her was in the presence of her mom and dad. Come on, no matter what you're going through, in the presence of Almighty God, that stuff doesn't matter. Come on. So I want to talk to you. I'm going to talk some practical things. We're going to talk some, some spiritual things, and, uh, and then we're going, to, we're going to worship God today. I want to talk to you real quick about the difference between praise and worship. There is a difference. And I, I didn't want to get everybody just out of the mindset that what we do on this platform, that this is worship. This is not worship. This is singing. Now, I, you know, y'all have heard me say it. I've grown up in a Pentecostal church, and we used to call it praise and worship. Well, it's time to praise and worship. Or when they talk about the, the singers, they tell you, well, the praise and worship department. And that is what they do. But you know what? They're singers and musicians. This is not worship. This is singing. Worship and praise is something that you do, no matter if you have music or not. So let's talk about what is praise and what is worship. Praise, if you look it up, is the acknowledgement or an act of acknowledgement by which the virtues or deeds of another are recognized and told. We express our joy to the Lord. We are to praise God for both who He is 
and for what he does. We acknowledge who he is and what he does. Praise of God may be in a song, it may be individually, it may be collectively. It may be spontaneous, it may be prearranged. It may uh, originate from emotions on the inside of you um, or from just an act of will. It can be an expression of approval or admiration, of gratitude and devotion for blessings and good things that you've received. It's the acknowledgement of his perfection, all of his works, and his benefits. It is a story that tells of his goodness. That's what praise is. Praise actually means to brag on God. To brag about God. Now, how many of you like it when you get bragged on? Somebody tells you you did something good. It's good, isn't it? It's good. It makes you feel like a million dollars when you do something right and somebody tells you and agrees with you that you did it. You know, it just makes you want to sit up straighter and suck your gut in a little bit. Yeah, thank you. You know, I mean, most of us grew up wanting to hear a good job from our parents. Come on, no matter what we did. It makes you feel good. To brag on God. To tell of His goodness. But the difference between praise and worship, praise is talking about or bragging about what God did so that everybody can hear it. Worship is a little bit different. Worship is a Greek word, prosukino. And it means to kiss like a dog licks his master's hand. Now, we don't like to talk about this, especially here in the United States. That's almost insulting. I'm not going to bow down and lick nobody's hand. But this is actually what the word worship means. It means to fawn or to, to crouch in front of. To li- it's literally or figuratively means to prostrate oneself in homage, in reverence, in adoration. Now, my mom and dad just bought a new dog. Their dog that was 11 years old, I believe. Uh, they, they, my parents have Rottweilers. And uh, Rottweilers are big, mean dogs, unless you raise them right. And all of ours have always been only mean to people that they that showed up at the house when nobody was home. Then they, it's the best deterrent from theft. So, um, so they, they, when, they, when the last one finally died, they had three at one time, and when the last one finally died, they're like, oh, it's kind of a relief. We'll be, able to, we'll be able to come and visit the grandkids whenever we want. Now, you know, instead of having to find somebody to watch the dogs, well, that lasted about two weeks. And they ended up buying another one. And they've brought him with them the last two visits, and he's just a puppy still. But he, he is the licking machine. It doesn't matter. And, and the thing is, though, he's got these little razor-sharp teeth that when he's licking, they're still getting you. Like a needle. Just. But when he, if, if, if you're sitting there and you're not paying attention and he walks up to you, if, if he can get to your hand, that hand gets licked. If, you, if he can't get to your hand, he'll lick your leg or whatever he can get that is exposed. He will lick your foot. He will lick whatever because he wants your attention. Now that is a foreign concept to us as humans because we ain't going to go lick nobody. 
That's gross. That's disgusting. But really what he's saying there is, is, is this is a, an act of showing admiration because, you know, that's what, you know, dogs do that in a weird way. You know, I remember when we first got our first Rottweiler, I was still in high school, and he used to bring dead things and lay them on the back porch. And I started doing some research on that. What does it mean when you walk out and find a dead rabbit laying by the door that he's not eating? Well, he was bringing that back to give to us. Squirrels. Their, their heads ripped off. It's an act of admiration. He loved us. And so, but really, I mean, we, we would be more inclined to talk about kissing. And worship actually means to kiss. Okay? It means to revere. It stresses the feeling of awe or devotion. It means to honor religiously. It is, in the most simplest terms, your love of God expressed. Worship literally means to climb up into God's lap, wrap your arms around Him, and tell Him how much you love Him. And the difference between praise and worship is you quit talking about God and you start talking to God. Okay? We quit talking about Him and we start talking to Him. And there's so many people that have a hard time bridging that gap. You'd think it'd be so easy to talk to God because, well, God knows everything about you anyway, so it's not like you're going to say something He doesn't know. But when you get to people, talking to people about talking to God, it really is hard on some people. I don't know what to say. But yet they can turn around and talk about God, how good He is, and they can talk about, they can talk about God, but when it comes to actually talking to Him, people have a hard time with that. Well, worship is talking to God, and that's when the Holy Ghost really starts to speak. That's when His power really starts to take, uh, become manifest. So let's talk about why. Why do we praise and worship God? Well, the first reason is found right here in Psalm chapter 100. And that would be simply this. Worship takes us in to God's presence. It takes us into the same room with Him. It's not us sitting in, the same, in, in another room yelling at Him for Him to come to us. Worship actually is us on our spiritual feet walking into the same room He is. Psalm chapter 100, verse number 4, Enter His gates with thanksgiving and into His courts with praise. Be thankful unto Him and, there's this part again, bless His name. You know, I said to you last week, the last couple of weeks when we were doing our spirit-led series, we're spirit beings, but we live in this world, <clears throat> and God is a spirit being who lives in the spiritual realm. And it's really physically impossible for us to leave this realm and go to where He is unless we what? Die. If we die, we leave here and we go there. Remember what the Apostle Paul said? Um, it is, it is very tempting for me to, to leave, to be absent from the body, is to be present with the Lord. He's like, I, I'm kind of in a twix between two. Do I, do I want to be here or do I want to be with God? Well, it's, it's far better over there with God. But it's better for you if I stay here. Okay? 
Worship is the bridging of the two worlds together. When we worship God, we actually create an atmosphere where the spirit and the physical can exist in one place. Come on, somebody better catch that. It actually creates an atmosphere. For, that's why the, the writer of the Psalms here said, you come into his gates or into where he is with thanksgiving, into his courts or where he is with praise. We're thankful to him, and that's what puts us here. So if we live in this world, but we're spirit beings, God lives in the spirit realm, but he's a spirit being, we bridge the gap by our worship. That's one reason what we actually should worship God. We get into his presence. We have to find him. Do you know God is a God who hides himself? Turn over to Isaiah chapter 45. Worship is actually us finding God. And now when I say find God, I don't mean it in the sense of, like, I found Jesus and I got saved. I mean you actually literally stumble into his presence. You actually know you're in his presence. Now, when I was a kid, and we used to play uh, hide-and-go-seek at my grandparents' house. My grandfather had a, his house, it's still there, huge, big old house. Three, you know, three levels, basement, first floor, second floor, secret closets, and all kinds of great places to hide. Well, we used to play in the basement a lot. And uh, I was always bigger than the rest of the kids, all the other grandkids, all the cousins, they all were smaller than me. And I had this one cousin, Doug, was, he was little, little blonde-headed guy. Preston reminds me a lot of him the way he looks. Um, and really small and could just disappear. I mean, when it was time to play hide-and-go-seek, I hated being it because I knew I was never going to find him. Because he'd just curl up in a ball and it was like, poof, gone. Now, think about that in this right here. Isaiah chapter 45, verse number 15 says this. Truly, you are a God who hides, underline that, himself, O God and Savior of Israel. Now, I want you to think about this. If he's a God who hides himself, but yet God is everywhere, how can you be everywhere and hide yourself? I uh, can illustrate that this way. I was playing hide-and-go-seek with my cousin, and I know I looked and looked and looked and looked and looked, and I thought he had quit. I thought he snuck upstairs while I was counting and left me down there by myself. And so I got mad, and I was like, all right, fine, we'll just quit then. Ollie, ollie, in free. And I'm not kidding you. He stepped out from behind this area. And I know I had looked there. I know I had. But he just so small and would curl up in a ball, he would just disappear in there. And now check this out. I know I was literally standing inches away from him, but I wasn't aware of it. Now, just because I wasn't aware of it doesn't mean I wasn't in his presence. Now watch this. When you worship God, it doesn't mean that God suddenly leaves heaven and comes here. He's already here. He's already everywhere. What happens? You actually become aware that you're in the presence of God. What happens? You find him from his hiding place. Some of you are starting to get that. We worship him because we want to know that we are, come on, where he is. And when you worship him, 
he comes out of hiding. And he was right where you thought he was the whole time. The second reason is we worship him because that's what our job description is. This is what we've been created to do. Now, in order to get you to this point, I've got to tell you a little bit of the backstory. All right? Isaiah chapter 14. Go ahead and turn over there. Before man was ever created, God created the heavens and the earth and the angels and all that stuff. And those, uh, there, were, there are three angels that we know about in Scripture. That We know that there are several thousands, if not millions. But there are three that we know by name. There is Michael, and Michael was the one who always was coming with an answer to prayer. And when we see him, he was coming with an answer to prayer. Then when we had Gabriel, Gabriel was always manifested as he was bringing a message. All right? So we got a word from God. So we got prayer and the word. Sounds very familiar to our life as Christians, doesn't it? We have to have prayer and the word. But then the third one that we know about was Lucifer. Now we all know he's not an angel anymore. He has become Satan. But he was in charge of worship. He was the worship leader in heaven. Isaiah chapter 14, I want you to check out this description of him. All right, Verse number 11, your pomp is brought down to Sheol and the sound of your stringed instruments. Now he's talking about Lucifer here. The sound of your stringed instruments. The maggot is spread under you and worms cover you. How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground. You are weakened, you, you who weakened the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest side of the north. I will ascend high above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Now we know right after that, God cast him out of heaven and it was over with in a second. Turn over to Ezekiel chapter 28. Let's read some more descriptions of, G of Lucifer. Ezekiel chapter 28, verse number 12. Talking about Lucifer here. You were the seal of perfection. Ezekiel 28, 12. Full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden. Now, this is how we know we're talking about. He's talking about Lucifer here because there's only four characters in the story of the Garden of Eden. God, Adam, Eve, and Satan. Right? You were in Eden, the Garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering. And then he lists all these stones. And then, uh, and then he says, the workmanship of your timbrels and pipes. Is more Talking about instruments was prepared for you on the day that you were created. You were the anointed cherub who covers. I established you. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of fiery stones. You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created till iniquity was found in you. By the abundance of your trading, uh, you became filled with violence within and you sinned. Therefore, I cast you as a profane thing out of the mountain of God. Now, Lucifer was the original worship leader. He was the first worship pastor, <laughs> which explains why we have so much trouble with him. No, I'm just kidding. 
He was the original person in charge of worship. In all of heaven, it was him. Now, a lot of theologians believe that when they talk about these two things here, these two um, scriptures here, talks about your stringed instruments in Isaiah 14 and then the timbrels and the pipes in Ezekiel chapter 28, that those weren't just instruments that he had. Now, think about it. He's got a stringed instrument. He's got a percussion instrument, which is a cymbal, and, and, um, and a pipe, which would be like something that you blow. So if you think about every instrument that we play, now I'm not talking about electronic things like this, even though they're emulating instruments. Uh, all the instruments that we have now, you're either plucking it, or you're beating it, or you're blowing in it. He had it all. He had a full orchestra. And it wasn't just something God created for him, that God actually created those things in him. That he was actually, this is what theologians believe, that he actually had musical instruments built into him, and he still does, which is why he has so much pull in the music world. Right? He was created with musical instruments in him. All right? But he lost his job. And so somebody had to be in charge of worship at that point. Who's going to worship God now? So what did he do? He created us. And we took Satan's place as those that lift worship to God. We were. Now think about what you've been created with. Come on, in the back of your throat, you have something called vocal cords, which is what? Strings. Come on, God put two big drums right in front of you. I'm pretty sure if anyone's watched Andy Griffith, you know you can make blowing noises. Come on, now this sounds familiar, doesn't it? We got created to take over the worship. There are no other things created that can do what we do. Trees don't do it, but if we don't do it, they're going to. Come on, somebody. Rocks can't do it, but if we don't do it, come on, they're going to. Now, some of you may say, well, my dog sings along with me whenever I'm in the shower. He ain't singing. He's trying to cover up what he's hearing. It hurts their ears. Parrots don't sing. They're just repeating what they've heard. See, the difference is we're aware. Come on now. What, what, is, what, the, what this means. We're aware when we lift our voices to God. We're aware of what that means. And that's why nothing else in creation can do what we do. We have been created to lift up worship and praise to God. First Peter chapter 2, verse number 9. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, His own special people. Now catch this. That you, come on, not somebody else, not the person sitting behind you, not the person sitting on the side of you or in front of you. You, that you may proclaim the praises, come on, of Him who has called you out of darkness and into His marvelous light. That's what you've been created for. Your job description is to worship and praise God. Lastly, reason is this. Worship, the reason we worship is because worship belongs to God. 
Exodus chapter 34, verse number 14. For thou shalt worship no other gods, for the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. Now, I'm just going to say this, and I hope this doesn't offend anybody, but we got some people that have started giving their worship and praise to something else. Sometimes it's given to their stuff. Sometimes it's given to their job. Sometimes it's given to their career. Sometimes it's given to their spouse. Sometimes it's given to their problems. Sometimes it's given to their money. Come on. It's given everywhere else. But listen, I want to say to you, your worship or your terms of admiration, your terms of love expressed belong to God. We give our time to something else. And when we need direction from God or a touch from God, we haven't been worshiping Him and spending time licking His hand, so to speak. And we still expect Him to turn around and wham, there's our answer. And sometimes we're not even sure if He's going to answer because we haven't been spending enough time in His presence. The thing that I I liked about the story about Savannah is she knew little girl and my buddy's little girl she knew that if she could get one hand in the presence of her parents she'd be safe the rest of the night but if you know you don't get to spend time with your parents and there's thousands of kids and millions of kids all across the world that don't get to spend times with their parents and it's a foreign concept to them maybe you grew up that way it's in the presence of God that we know him Because this belongs to him, and when we go there and give him what belongs to him, we start knowing him. We maybe don't feel like it, we still got to do it. We still may have a thousand things on our plate, we still have to do it. We still got so much going on, and there's more important things going on in my life, we still should do it. Some people say, well, it's not that important right now, I'm handling business, I'm working, it's not that important. I'm a good person. I got a lot of stuff going on that's okay. I mean, God knows my heart. I, you know, I hear that one a lot. Well, God knows my heart. Some people say, well, I, you know, I give offerings. I go to church. I do. Listen to me. That, none of that matters if you're not opening your mouth and expressing your love to God. Because that is what belongs to Him. Because that's where your heart is. Nothing is more important than worshiping, worshiping our God because that is what belongs to Him. Revelation chapter 2, verse number 2. And we'll wrap up here. I know all the things you do. I have seen your hard work and your patient endurance. I know you don't tolerate evil people. You have exclaimed the claims of those who say they are apostles but are not. You have discovered they are liars. You have patiently suffered for me without quitting. Now that sounds like a pretty good Christian right there, doesn't it? I mean, this is, I mean, look at what all he's done. I've seen all your hard work and your patience and endurance. That's good. That's good. You've worked hard. Yep. You're you're making me look good out there. That's good. That's good. People know you're a Christian. They know you work hard. All right, good. Your patient endurance, great. That's good. People don't think you're a jerk. That's excellent. 
I know you don't tolerate evil people. We don't put up with nonsense. We're not just going to lay down and say it's okay for everybody to be however they want to be. It's okay. We're, we're, we're not going to stand up and not point out right and wrong. We're going to do that. We're not going to tolerate that stuff. Okay, great. You have examined the claims of those who say they are apostles but are not. We're not putting up with flakiness and people that are coming in trying to hurt the sheep in the church of God. We're not putting up with that. All right? You discovered they're liars. You have patiently suffered for me without quitting. You let people make fun of you for putting a fish on the back of your car or a dove or a flame or whatever. Or people know you're a Christian and they make fun of you. Or they know you're spirit-filled and they think that that's weird. And it, it, he, it, Good, good. We, we, I understand that you're, you, you've gone through some ridicule on my behalf. But that wasn't enough here. Look what happens. All that stuff didn't matter here in verse number 4. But I have this complaint against you. Underline this. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Look at how far you have fallen. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. Listen to me, church. All the other things that we do as Christians in this world don't matter if we stop loving God the way we did when we first got saved. I did youth ministry for 20 years, just did it. I actually just did a youth revival uh, in, in West Palm all last week. I spoke every day last week. Had a great time, saw an atheist convert. It's a great week. Now, I did all, I, I've been doing that for a long time, and uh, none of that matters if I stop loving God. I can go and build a career and, and do all the things that, that I think are important, but if I stop loving God, it doesn't matter. All the things that we do don't matter as Christians if we stop loving God. But, uh, and, and, and when you do it, if you go back to the way that it was when you first got saved, and that's what I was going to say. I've been doing youth ministry so long, and I see these kids get on fire for God at youth camps and youth revivals and youth retreats, and, and they're really turned on to God. And they come back and they want to go pray for everybody in the neighborhood. And they want to read the whole Bible all at once. Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about? And they want to do all these powerful things and wonderful things. And, and then uh, we, we have adults that say to them, it's okay, just calm down a little bit. You, you, you'll get back into the swing of things and you'll come back down to earth. Why do we want people to come back down to earth? What, what's that all about? Well, that's a foreign concept to us because we don't love God that way anymore. Ouch. Ouch. Well, I don't want to be weird and flaky. I'm not telling you to be weird and flaky. I'm telling you to love God the way you used to love him when, when, when it was new. And you realized what he did for you. And you realized you didn't have anything without him. And you realized you was going to hell, but you're not going there anymore. And, you, and it was a reality to you. We don't need to unwind and come back down to earth worship belongs to god and it's time for us to giving it to stop giving it somewhere else and give it back where he is what he says to him turn back to me and do the works you did at first what were the works they did at first they read their bibles and they just walked around and be like man jesus you're so awesome I, I, I mean, I'm just in love with God. I mean, I'm not going to hell anymore. I mean, they worshiped and they praised God all the time. 
because it belonged to him. Amen? We'll pick up here next week. Let's bow our head and close our eyes.